excited to start this series called Basic. I do want us to wrap our mind around the idea of basic is important. Like, it's important for us to know the basic. It's like we send our kids to school so that they understand the basics. Like, they start at a young age, they get the basics. Why? Because from the basics, everything else grows. Amen? And so, you know, same thing in God. Like, he says, hey, faithful in the little, I'll give you more. God wants us to walk in signs and wonders and the miraculous, and he wants to do all the amazing things in us, but there's foundations we need to build. And that comes through the basics. It comes through understanding God's way that he created us to live. And so uh, that's one thing we're really looking to go after these next few weeks is just getting those fundamentals just hidden in our heart. The scripture says that we hide God's word or his ways in our heart that we what might not sin against him or that we might not just mess up, right? That we might not get off the path. And it's by keeping those basics as a part of our life. And so that's a big deal for us here. And so I would say this today, as I talk about hearing the voice of God, all of us have a different experience. Some of us have maybe heard audibly the voice of God. Some of us, you may have felt more of like a nudge or a thought or one word we like to use often is like how God prompts us. He prompts you into things. He leads you. He nudges you. You'll see all throughout scripture, there's different ways that God gave signs and spoke to you. But here's what we need to know is if we, inter- if we interviewed every person in this room, no one in here would say, hey, you know what? Um, I've heard, you know, like I hear enough from God. I'm pretty satisfied with the level of God's speak. And we always want to hear more. We'd always like to be in a closer, sweeter relationship with God. Amen? And so we're always in a pursuit of hearing God's voice and his promptings and his leadings. Amen? So I'm going to reveal something to you that might really um, kind of change your guys' mind because I know most of you in here probably think I'm perfect and um, think I have the... Wait, what was that about? I'll go on. Uh, most of you think I probably have the perfect life and... Um, So obviously joking, Uh, but I'm going to reveal a part of just my life that is just me being real. And uh, it has to do with our kids. And so um, our kids, you know, you've heard me, I talk about my kids all the time and you've heard me say uh, there's frustrations that you have as being a parent and raising kids. Um, There's a few things that really irritate me. You've heard me say before, one thing as simple as like trying to put their pants on. Uh, My son, Charlie, who's about to turn three, uh, he's almost three and he still does not understand how to put his foot down when you put pants on. So you're fighting the foot that's out, you know, and, um, It's just, I just can't stand it. I don't know why. I'll get up in the middle of the night. Like, I'll do a whole bunch of things with the kids that normally irritate people. um, But just the foot thing, I just can't stand. So um, I haven't figured out a solution. You know, I'm literally strategizing. I think I said this before. Is there a way we can hang pants and, like, jump shot the kid into them? I'm not sure. we got to figure it out, though. And then I'm going to be rich. Because you all act like you got the pants thing down. But I know you struggle with it because I know it's true. But anyway... So I can handle a lot of things, but probably at the top of the list of the thing that I can't stand is um, when Jess and I are trying to have a conversation, the constant interruption from our children. You all experience this. I know it's a truth, right? Uh, and so then what you try to do is uh, you, you take a phone call and you go into the other room and you just think, you know, if I just close the door, we won't hear him anymore. And then I'm on the phone and I'm like, did my son just start a chainsaw? Yeah, he's coming through the door. He has a chainsaw. You know, like, I don't know where they do these things, but banging on the door and making more noise. And so I'll come, and I'm telling you, I come home and the first thing I do is, hey, kids, and I mess with Caroline, and I rough up Charlie, and we do our things, and I say, hey. But then I try to have a conversation. I try to speak with my wife just about the day and things. And it's just unreal, the things that the kids find to do to interrupt us. 
It's just crazy. I'm like trying to talk, and I'm like, is that the lawnmower? I think Charlie started the lawnmower. We better, and they're, they're grabbing on you, and they're doing things. And, and it's just insanely irritating that when we're trying to speak to one another, the distraction that comes in. And I just wonder if our Heavenly Father does the same thing toward us. He just so desires and longs to speak and have conversation with us, but we let the distraction of Netflix and TV and all the other things keep coming. God's like, oh, today, let's talk, let's commune, let's speak, let's share. And then we let this thing come in and that thing come in. I wonder if the frustration for him might be the same. The way that we live and we let all these things come in. I bet at the top of his list, it's probably the same thing. Oh, I desire to just speak to them, but all of these other things. Amen? We need to make a priority to, to create spaces where we allow God to speak to us. Because he's a speaking God. He is a God who speaks. If we believe the scripture says that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, then that means he is a God who still communicates with his people. Amen? We see that speaking is God's idea. We understand that through God we were made and therefore we created language. We see that he gave us the ability to convey with one another through words, through speaking. And so if we are created in God's image and we're communicators, then God's a communicator. And he doesn't change yesterday, today, and forever. We also see that literally God gave verbal form to his will. It's called his Bible. So literally, God being a speaking God said, hey, I want my people to know my will and my ways. I'm going to verbalize those in the book called the Bible. Amen? Because he has a desire to give us his words and to speak to us. We see in Genesis that God spoke and the world was. I believe the same thing is true about your life. God wants to speak to you and see some things come into existence. I believe God wants to form things and see things be birthed and, and created just like the world was created by his words. I believe God wants to say things to you and whisper to you and speak into your ear and say things to you that will then come into existence in your life because he's the same God. Amen? And so he speaks. We saw in Genesis that uh, the voice of God walked in the garden meaning that literally they spent their day as they went about the voice of God. God was speaking to them as they went to and fro and lived in their daily life. I believe God's desire is still the same as we come and go and as we do different things in life. God's voice wants to be a part of our day. Amen? Not just a place that it lives at church or it lives in a study or it lives in a worship song. God wants to go with us on our day speaking to us. We saw that the scripture said about Elijah, uh, that he's on a mountain and you see where it's not in the fire, it's not in the thunder, it's not in, the, but it says that God spoke in a whisper, in a, in a still small voice, God spoke. We also saw uh, that John said about the voice of God, that it was the sound of many waters rushing or many rushing waters. So you have times in your life where God's voice is a whisper and it's a nudge and it's a still small thing. Then you have other times where God can speak in a strongness of a rushing water with force behind it. Amen. God speaks in all kinds of ways. I thought about this. All throughout scripture, one of the most common things you read is thus, what? Says the Lord. Not thus shows the Lord or thus, thus says the Lord. God's desire is to be a God who speaks to us. We saw Malachi, there was a 600-year silent silence of God's voice. But then John the Baptist came back speaking on behalf, saying, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, the voice of one. Not... Not again, the sign of one or the, it's the voice. God uses his voice to speak to us. We even saw 
in the book of Acts, that the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to the believers who gathered in the upper room, and it changed a language about them. They spoke in a prayer language in which being filled with the Holy Spirit caused them to have a prayer language. Because why? Because voice matters. Speaking matters to God. Amen? That's why the, I believe this uh, a common mistake we make in prayer is we believe prayer uh, is only about talking. We believe prayer is only about talking. So we go to be with God and commune with God, and we, we pray and we speak, and we believe in the power of our words. We believe life and death is in the power of the tongue. What you speak is in your future. So we believe in the power of speaking that out. Uh, but we also believe that prayer is sometimes just sitting in silence. You pray, and then you wait on God. To be in a place of prayer is to, is to be a person who listens. Think about it this way. If I were to go to a church consultant, somebody who could help me with the church and give us great advice, and uh, they were just a high-level leader, and I had the opportunity to go speak with them and get advice and get counsel and get uh, some solutions, and let's say I got that appointment, and I went in, and I sat down, and I sat in front of that great leader, and I said, all right, I'm here uh, to get your wisdom and to get your direction and to get your understanding and, and just see what you would say, and, and if I sat down in front of that leader, and I just took blah, 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 and I just said all my stuff, and as soon as I was done saying, I walked out of the room, would that be accessing that relationship in a wise way? No, why? Because I didn't give time for that person to answer and speak back. I wonder how many of us in our prayer life are the same way. God, I can't hear you. God, I'm not hearing. I don't, you're not speaking. You're not. It's because every time we spend time to get with them, all we do is blah, 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 and we leave the room. Amen? We have to create spaces where we listen. We hear God. I mean, think about if your relationship, any friendship or anything you had, uh, if your whole relationship was just one person talking and not the other. Husbands, don't nod your, don't bump your wife or anything. It's like just one side of it was doing all the talking. You wouldn't have much of a relationship. It'd be pretty one-sided, amen? Because why? You need to take time then to listen and receive and hear back. I just wonder in our busy culture if most of the time the reason we don't feel like we're hearing from God is because we're not taking time to hear from God. Yeah. Amen? Matthew eleven fifteen kind of alludes to this thing where people say, God gave you two ears instead of one in one mouth. God gave you two ears in one mouth because we're supposed to be listening twice as much as we're speaking, right? I wonder if that's what the scripture means too. 11, Matthew eleven fifteen says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. It didn't say, he that have a mouth, let him talk. It said, he that have ears, let him listen and understand. We need to get into places and spaces with God where we say, I'm here to listen to you, to hear, and as the scripture says, to understand. I'm going to listen to understand. You know, they teach you all the time in marriage counseling and things. Uh, when someone's talking, you as they're talking, you need to listen to them to understand, not to respond. I wonder if we do the same thing with God. Like, you know, you read or you hear this, and automatically you're formulating some kind of response or what. we got to be a people who listen to hear. Amen? So I'm going to give you this story. Many of you have heard Genesis chapter 22. It's the story where God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And so the big picture in this is actually about obedience, and it's about you know, listening to God when he calls you and being fully obedient. Uh, the, the headline of your chapter, if you look up Genesis 22, it says, God tested Abraham. So much of the story is about God testing Abraham and his obedience, but I think there's parts in it that we can see that have to do with listening to God. And so I want to play with it just a little bit. But it goes like this. God calls Abraham, Isaac or Abraham to take his son, his only son, whom you love, and take him up the mountain 
and I'm going to lead you in how to sacrifice him. And so what's interesting about this is he gives him just a little piece of the whole story. He says, hey, take your son. I'm calling you to the mountain to sacrifice him. And it like doesn't give him much more detail. And the truth about this is that happens to us in a lot of our lives. We will write off what God is speaking to us because we don't see the full picture. It's like the only way we'll believe God is speaking is if he gives us the whole picture. But the truth is, a lot of times when God speaks, he speaks in chapters, not full scripts. And so you just get a chapter of it or a step of it, and you go, well, this isn't God. He hasn't given me the whole thing. All I see in front of me is just this one step, and I've been asking God to show me the whole thing. But many times when God speaks, he speaks in chapters, not scripts. Amen. So don't write it off as God, God not speaking when he just reveals one step. That's why the scripture says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Sometimes when God speaks and it's not the whole thing that you want it to be, you go, you go with the step that he instructs. Amen. I know that sounds simple, but it's difficult. It's difficult. We go, God, I want the whole thing. Give me the whole thing. God's like, well, no, I told you how to start. I told you, oh, no, 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 starting is scary. I need the whole thing. You got to make sure, you got to show me that this is going to work. I need the whole, he's like, no, why don't you start? Why don't you do this? I'll keep speaking along the way. And we back out at that, amen? It's what the children of Israel did. They complained and murmured, and they said, God, I don't see the whole picture. Show me everything, amen? So this thing happens. So he, he hears the word of God, and he sets up to go to the mountain. And when he gets to the bottom of the mountain, the scripture says that Abraham tells his servants who came with him, hey, you got to stay back. You can't go with me. You guys have to stay here. I have to go alone at my point, or I have to go do this on my own with God. And what happens with us is a lot of times we like to be in the crowds. We like to be with many around us because what happens is the more that are around us, we then rely on somebody else hearing for us. We, we come to church and we call that the place that we hear from God, or we, the Bible study is the place where we hear from God, or the worship album is the place that we hear from God because it's easier for somebody else to get it for us. But here's the truth. The closer you get to your assignment, the smaller the crowd gets. The closer you get to accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish, the crowd gets smaller because it comes down to you depending on God and God only. Think about it like this. Paul wrote most of the New Testament alone while in jail. John, the revelator, wrote most of Revelation on island Pappas, uh, wrote Revelation alone on the island of Patmos. Jesus was alone in the garden before his destiny uh, of going to the cross and the purpose fulfilled of our sins forgiven. He was in a lonely place in the garden. Elijah, we, uh, we again know, was on a mountain and he was alone when he heard the still small whisper. I believe in community and I believe in groups of numbers and I believe in us not doing life alone. But I also know for you to accomplish what God calls you to accomplish, there's seasons where you have to be in a lone place. Jesus sends his disciples across the water and says, hey, I need to go to a solitary place, a quiet place, a still place a place where I can be with God, where I can hear from God, not where I depend on somebody else to hear for me. Amen? Many of us go, oh, God's not speaking. I can't hear his voice because the only opportunities you give him to speak are through somebody else at some other thing. We got to create places where we can be alone to hear from God. So he says to the servants, he says, hey, you stay here. I'm going up. And the story goes right before he's about to kill his son, Isaac. The scripture says that God speaks to him and changes the story. Literally two times shouts his name and says, don't do it. I see that you're obedient. He says, don't, don't kill your son and tells him, you know, he doesn't have to do it. And what's interesting about this 
is right before he's about to kill him, God speaks, and that's what happens to us. Uh, God gave him a word. God spoke to him. Thing. What was about to happen for him is he was about to kill his future living on a word from yesterday. Think about that. He was about to kill his future because he was living on a word from yesterday. Do you know many of us, we get so stuck on what God did back here and what he spoke over here, and we're so caught up in this thing over here that we're not listening to what God is speaking today. And we kill what God wants to do in the future because we're so stuck on holding to what he said here and not listening now. Amen? We got to be people who every day listen. That's why it's not enough just on a Sunday to only hear from God or just in a study. All the time, we have to have our ear toward God. I believe one of the tests that God was doing in his life was testing to see if Abraham had an ear to hear God. Because if God has your ear, he can speak to your heart. Amen? If God has your ear, he can speak to your heart. We got to be a people who are always listening to God. Three things I want to give you uh, before we take off. Three things I want to give you. Three habits to hearing God. I, I hope that you write these down. Uh, three really important things that help me when it comes to hearing God. So three habits. The first one is you need to stop listening to what others speak over what God speaks. Stop listening to what others speak over what God is speaking to you. Uh, early on in the church, a couple years in, we had this family, uh, particularly this lady, uh, who had a problem with a thing we were doing in the church. And we said, hey, we're an open book. We'll talk about anything. You know, come on up. And we got bylaws and boards and accountabilities. And, uh, you know, we got all this stuff put in place to keep this a sound place. And uh, we're open to talk about whatever you want. And uh, we don't want you to have frustration. So, of course, let's talk. And so uh, through our time talking about this situation, uh, she had gone and done some research on her own. And uh, she found that what we were doing was biblically accurate. It was in the Bible. It was accurate. It was what God calls us to do. And then the other thing she found through her research and spending time, uh, she found out not only what we were doing uh, was biblically accurate, she found out a lot of other churches do it. So it was sound. It was, it was wise. It was in wisdom. Other people do it. It was a good thing to be doing. So she came to the conclusion of those two things, but then she says this thing to me. She says, yeah, uh, we love the church. Uh, we know what you're doing. You know, it's biblically sound and other churches do it and it's sound and, and it lines up with the Bible. She says, it just doesn't work with the way I view Christianity. It just doesn't work for the kind of Christianity I believe in. So essentially the made up Christianity that she was walking in, <laughs> the made up idea that like she was trying to put into her life it didn't fit into, and so then she rejected it, even though it lined up with the Bible and God confirmed to her that it was a good thing to be doing, she still said, I don't like it, <laughs> right, at the end of the day. But here's what's interesting that God taught me through this. Do you know that that bothered me for like three days, what she said and what she had to say? I listened to her and the family. I listened to them over the weekend in front of what God was speaking to me, and we do it all the time. We listen to what unfounded, untruthful, uh, unpractical, you know, we listen to all of these things of what people say over what God speaks over us. Somebody will come and accuse you and say something to you and, and you'll believe and you'll think on that and you'll waste your energy on that way before you'll ever go back to the Bible and read what the Bible would speak over you. We got to stop listening to what people are saying about us that are unfounded and untrue and don't line up with the Bible. And we need to just worry about what God is speaking to us. Amen. And so that's one of the major things, one of the habits we got to do when it comes to speaking is we got to listen to what God says over our life, not what people and haters and negative and people who try to tear you down. We don't need to waste our energy listening to that. Amen. What does God say? What does the Bible say? What does wise counsel say? And you go with that. Amen. 
Number two, this is a big one. Uh, you need to make a place to hear God and set an appointment. You have to in your life, if you want to hear God, you have to make a place to hear God and then set an appointment. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you to get too rigid in, the, in terms of like you set it and it has to be then. My, mine flexes. There'll be times, obviously, I have the luxury of my office and being here. And there's times where, you know, I get to, and then there's times at home, you know, l- literally at home for me, it'll be maybe the end of the night or, uh, you know, Jess has already gone to bed and my football game is over because, you know, football first. But so, but there'll be just a time of the day where you just turn everything off and you sit in silence. You just sit where you've made a place where you're saying, God, I'm in this place in my life right now so that I can hear you speak. You know what's interesting? God speaks. I'll be sitting there in silence. I'll be waiting on God and he'll say something maybe about you or a situation or he'll say a thing or he'll put one of you on my heart and then I'll pray for you or I'll, I'll think on you. I'll intercede for you. And then I'll see you later. And I'll say, how was your week? And you'll say, oh, it was a rough week. And I'll be like, I know because I, I prayed for you this week. Amen. And, and I was interceding because I made time and I made a place. Amen. Uh, women are so great at it. Your, your wives, husbands, uh, they have extra discerners. God gave them an upgrade. This is true. I'm not, you think I'm joking because <laughs> I always joke. But women have extra discerners. They're higher discerners. And so when they're discerning and they're picking up on things, you need to, you need to lean into that. Amen. Plus, it's better to go with them. And if it doesn't work out, you can be like, I told you so. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's true. It's somehow our fault. Moving on. Just kidding. But make a place to hear God and set an appointment. That's why here, even these basic classes, we don't do these basic classics because we think it's like, oh, what should we do? We better find something to do in February. We see it as a value. We see it as something that we're making a place to hear from God. We're setting an appointment for it. And if you commit yourself to it, guess what? God's going to speak to you in it. You're going to hear from God as you make an appointment or something like that in our book studies and all that we do. God's going to speak to you through it. So make a place to hear God and set an appointment. We see in Exodus chapter 19, verses 10 and 19, uh, Moses has this great interaction where he's speaking to God. God is speaking to him. And then he speaks to the people. And God says, in three days, uh, we're going to do this thing where I'm going to speak to the people. Literally, God keeps an appointment with Moses. Think about that. God up in heaven pays attention to dates and times. I think he'll honor your calendar. I think if you put in your phone, this is the time and this is the thing. I'm just crazy enough to believe that God might honor that for you. God, this is the time I want to meet with you and hear you speak and draw near to you. I believe that God honors that. Amen? Amen. I thought about it like this. Miss an appointment. So you got to make an appointment. You got to make, make an important priority. Uh, if you miss an appointment you'll experience a disappointment. When we miss an appointment, you'll experience a disappointment. I think when we miss appointments and we don't make priority, I think it sets us up for disappointment. Uh, I thought about it like this in our real life. You keep appointments with people you don't even like. If you think about your every day and your calendar and the things that you keep appointments with, you keep appointments and you make appointments with things you don't even like. I'm not going to say your boss, but you keep appointments, the dentist, right? Chiropractors. I mean, those guys are no good. (laughs) Peasley Brothers Chiropractic. Uh, There's people we don't want to see. But you know what I'm saying? All throughout, and here's why. Here's why you keep appointments with maybe bosses or other things that you have to go through, salesperson or listeners. You keep those appointments because at some point or place in your life, they have value to you. 
So you keep appointments of things that you don't even really like because you understand that you have value. Well, if we say we love God and we're on fire for God and he's first in our life, don't you think you would keep an appointment and make that a priority because you see value in it? So much the oil change place you keep an appointment because you understand it's important. How much more so with our God should we keep appointments because we see value in it? Amen? Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, I don't have it for the screen, but uh, this is where Samuel, uh, God was speaking to Samuel, and uh, it says about the time that they were in, it says that the word of God or the voice of God was rare. Now, the Hebrew meaning of the word rare there was precious or valuable, meaning that the culture that was built where they were at, remember uh, Samuel's parents sent him off to be somebody who hears God speak and be trained up in this. So they had high awareness for the presence and the voice of God. And so the scripture says that in this time, the words of God or God speaking was valuable. It was really precious to them. So there was like a high awareness to him. When God spoke, it meant a lot more. So what I'm saying to you is it could be possible that for some Christians, they hear more and they experience more and they see more of God because they have a higher value of the word of God in the, the words of God. Amen. It's going to be a terrible example, and it didn't do very good in first service, but I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> so there's a band, my favorite band that I love. They kicked off a tour last night. They'll tour through the summer, and there's an app on your phone that you can get uh, called Periscope, and it means you can live stream something from your phone. And so people at the show did that, and I'm a huge uh, fan of this band, and I've seen them 36 times since 2001 because they're great. Uh, they're a jam band, so they have all different kinds of instruments, and they play live. And believe it or not, in this day and age, they still write and perform their own music. So none of that Bruno Mars, like somebody else wrote it and they play it. Uh, none of that Taylor Swift, like only plays a show for an hour, hour and a half. They jam out their own music for about three hours. Somebody say amen. amen. I see you're still not with me. <clears throat> but that's fine uh, because... You know, music has really been ruined, uh, so much so that tonight you'll see music has gotten so far in the ditch that tonight they'll literally have to do like holograms of people just to entertain you because music, anyway. So what's cool about this band, what's great about this band is uh, they have all these rarenesses to their songs. So they have this massive catalog of music and they have all these different unique instruments. So obviously your common bass, electric guitar, drum, all that stuff, but they have horns and saxophones and they had a violin player until this week, but they have a violin player, all these things. And uh, one week you may see them and they'll play a song and this guy gets a solo. And then the next time it's the same song, but another guy gets a solo. You never hear the same song. And then what's cool, if you follow them or you're obsessed as them, of them as I am, since I'm rambling on, uh, there's rarenesses to the songs and what they do. So a fan of them or somebody who values their music would hear them play and go, oh, wow. They're doing that bridge of this song and this person's playing it. And there's like all of this stuff to it. So last night I'm watching the Periscope and there's this dude who's not very much a fan. He doesn't value it like I value it. And they're playing the song and he's like, well, I don't know this one. I think it's whatever. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. You're getting to hear this. And I'm all into it because I wish I could be hearing that because I haven't, even though I've seen him for 36 shows since 2000. Like, ah, you don't understand what you're getting. And I think the same thing happens to us in how we value God. Uh, we go, oh, you don't understand what you're getting. You don't understand what you're potentially experiencing because your heart is not in it. So many of us go like, oh, 
God doesn't speak to me. And I just wonder if it's just because we're not aware of what he's actually doing. We haven't valued it enough to be like, whoa. It's like if you've ever tried to take one of your friends to a movie and you're like super into this movie and you're like, I'm a big fan of this movie's amazing. And this person who doesn't care about that movie is like, I don't know, didn't see it. I didn't think it was great. And you're like, no, you missed it, the thing, right? And they're like, ah, I guess I didn't. Why? Because they didn't value it like you value it. When we put value and we set an appointment and we have an expectation of what God's going to do, isn't it interesting that we believe that he can do it? Amen. We have to increase the value, like we saw in Samuel, of God's spoken word. I believe God works in order. He honors order. You see in the New Testament where God put people into groups when he fed the thousands. He said, hey, break them up in categories. He put them into groups. When we make appointments and we set order, God honors that. The upper room, when we received the Holy Spirit, he said, hey, go to the upper room, make an appointment, wait on us, because God works in order. Amen. Point number three, keep a record of what God speaks. Uh, as you're reading God's word, write stuff down. As you're hearing a song speak to you a certain way, write down what it means to you. Write down what it spoke to you because it has value. I can't tell you how many things I'll read and I'll screenshot because I'm like, this spoke to me today. And I believe as I look back on it, I'm going to be reminded of what God spoke to me and it's going to inspire me again. Amen. You can see in 1 Chronicles 28, 19, David speaking of how he was called to build the temple. And so the temple was, of course, the, the, the greatest house of God, if you will, ever built. The temple that was called to be built, uh, it, it was said in 1 Chronicles 28, 19. It says, all this, David said, speaking of the temple, I have in writing as a result of the Lord's hand on me, and he enabled me to understand all the details of the plan. What is he saying? He's saying he was spending time with God and God spoke to him and he wrote it down. Therefore, he'll have the victory of it because he has the writings of it. Think about that. He was spending time with God in a way. And as he was receiving from God, he was writing things down. And that thing that he wrote down became future victory for him. Amen. As you read the word, as you pray, as you listen on God, write down those nudges and those promptings and those things that he's speaking to you. When you read a scripture that says God says that we're more than conquerors, you need to write down, God wants me to be more than a conqueror today. And I promise to you, when something comes up against you, you're going to remember, no, I just wrote today that God said I need to be more than a conqueror and I'm going to conquer this. Or when we know that the scripture says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And then during your day, when evil comes up against you, you're going to remember you already have the victory. Amen. Write those things out. Write that stuff down. That's why we do the seek book and all those things. Why? Because one of the ways God speaks is as we read and write and we remember. Amen. I'll close with this. Uh, you know, people would say, I've actually been in ministry a really long time. I'm 34 and I started in it full time at 19. So people all ask, ask me, you know, like, what's, what's one of the greatest things or funnest things you've done in ministry or coolest things? And there's a whole bunch of really cool memories that I have of big services or things I was invited to, or we had a lot of things happen. But I can tell you in my walk with God and some of my sweetest moments and my best things that God's ever done in my life, like the most meaningful things where I was just like, God, wow, I feel your love. Like I know your hand is upon my life is simply when he speaks to me. Is when, is when I'm having a, a bad time or I'm going through a thing or I'm hitting a wall or I'm having a struggle. And then I read something that's specifically for that situation. And you're reminded, wow, that God in heaven wanted me to hear that today. 
or you're just in prayer and God reminds you of something. You go, wow, the sweet whisper of God is better than anything else we can put together in this natural world. Amen? It's that hearing of God, those nudges of God, the promptings, reminders, the whispers of God, the voice of God. It's like the sweetest thing we can have in our life for the moments that he speaks to us. We got to make time for those moments. Amen? There's a story. Uh, Bill Hybels is a pastor in Chicago. I'll try to go as quick as I can. But uh, in closing, uh, he's a pastor in Chicago who started Willow Creek. And he puts this story in his book. It's just amazing. But he's also got a book on how to hear the voice of God. And he tells the story of this advertising guy. Uh, in Chicago, when the church first started, they didn't have anybody paid. They didn't have anyone on salary. They were just trying to get this thing going. And he preached a sermon about how to hear the voice of God. And this guy named Tom, this advertising guy, really successful in advertising, he came down to him and he said, man, I hear what you're saying about making space and creating an atmosphere for God to speak. He said, I just don't have that kind of time. He said, you know, on my way to work, I fight traffic for two hours and on my way home, I'm basically gone six to six. And by the time I get home, I have to just really reload the day. I just don't have that kind of time. And Pastor Bill was like, well, I just pray that you can find a way to create a space to, to hear from God. And so story goes on that a couple months later, Tom comes back to Pastor Bill and he's like, hey, um, I just really want to let you know what you said, you know, meant a lot to me. And so I bought a rocking chair. He said, I put it out on my deck. So when I come home, I'll either sit out there or make time to be out there and I'm just out there to listen to God. He says, and God's been speaking to me. He's been saying things to me out in this chair. So that's an amazing thing. And uh, a couple months later, Tom comes to Pastor Bill and he says, hey, I've been out in that chair and God was speaking to me that um, I need to quit my job and I need to come be a part of uh, Willow. I want to help advertise this thing. I want to give all of you know my gifts from this field to the church and I really want to help. So, well, we don't have salaries. We don't have all that. I can't afford any of that. He said, no, I understand. I've, I've saved enough. I've made enough. I've been successful enough. I want to give myself to this. God spoke to me to do that in that chair. And so they did it. And much of the success of Willow Creek and some of the cutting edge things that they've done uh, in a great, just tens of thousands of people church uh, kind of came through some of these ideas that this guy Tom had. Well, months later, years later, he comes back to Pastor Bill and he says, hey, I've been out in the chair and God was speaking to me again and so grateful that you taught me, you know, how to make a place. Uh, he said, but God spoke to me that I'm going to help plant a church in Colorado and uh, I'm going to go out there and get it started. And so Pastor Bill said, hey, confirm that with God. And God did, spoke to him again. He went out there and planted a church and it was a great church and God did a great work. But then another day came where Tom was in that chair and he received the news that he had cancer and it was not curable and uh, he was going to die is what the doctor said as he sat in that chair. And he remembers praying, you know, that God would heal him. But then if also that wasn't God's plan, he also believed and felt God speak that he could give him a peace that passes all understanding and that he could be a great witness to people about, about how to go through something like that. And so he ended up passing away. And at his funeral, they asked Pastor Bill to come out and do the funeral. And at the funeral, hundreds of people got up and spoke at Tom's thing. And they said, yeah, uh, one time in my life, Tom came up to me and said, hey, I was out in that chair and God told me to tell you this. And hundreds of people kept coming up with these stories of Tom saying, oh, I was out in that chair and God told me to tell you this. And I was out in my chair and God spoke to me and told you this. And literally through that act of buying a rocking chair to make an appointment to hear God speak, he changed hundreds of people's lives. So they asked, uh, Pastor Bill asked his wife, what are you going to do with the rocking chair? What, what's the plan with the chair? 
She said, well, we're going to hand the chair down generation to generation because God spoke to and changed Tom's life in that chair. Now, it's not about the chair. I'm not going to sell you rocking chairs on the way out. But it's the place. It's the space. Is it a spot in your truck? Is it a room in your house? Maybe it is a rocking chair. Maybe it's a hammock. Whatever it is, what's a place that you can make an appointment to hear God speak to you because you don't know the lives that may be changed when you make an appointment to hear God's voice. Amen? So my prayer to you is that we find the chair. We find the space. We find the place where we go and we receive from God. We hear his words. We hear his whispers. And then we can turn and set people free and lead people in what God has for them. Amen? God still speaks. Amen.